Hello and welcome back to the Sonic Cloth Podcast. This is your boy once again, Jamil. And I hope you are tuning in because you were, let's say, sufficiently intrigued by the last episode. So last episode we did was part one of this exploration into ecstatic music. So we're going to be getting into part two today. And uh, lucky for you, I'm going to keep my intro spiel extremely short for this episode. I know I say that every time, but uh, I truly don't have much to talk about this time. I mean, uh, this is a thematic thing, this two-parter. So um, you're going to do yourself a lot of favors by going uh, back in time and listening to episode seven, Ecstatic Music, The Teachers. And in that episode, we unearthed, uh, you know, some ancient human sounds that were created by artists who want to, you know, suck you into the ritual. People who want to lock you in, hypnotize your mind, and ultimately rid you of uh, the, a lot of the drudgery that our world has forced upon, you know, everyday people throughout history. But, you know, damn, is that relevant uh, these days? So uh, for this episode, we are going to look to the students, right? And we're going to see how these students have fared in studying up on the musical forefathers and foremothers of the past who brought ecstatic sounds into popular recording formats, you know, whether that was their intention or not. So this this episode, it, this whole series is really less of a through line between generations and more of uh, exploration into the continuation of ecstatic sounds into today's modern era. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, much of these artists are very much, you know, rejecting the current landscape of hyper normalization and digitizing everything and opinions and information uh, you know swirling around us like a tornado basically uh, at all hours of the day so uh, we're looking to get away from that drudgery we are looking for freeform expressions uh, freakouts uh, soundtracks to rituals um, you know physicality uh, rhythm and we're looking for heavy music that seizes your attention, knows how to command it, and makes it known that ultimately you do not control you. So let's let's get into this. Let's see if the students are worthy of what the teachers have laid down. Okay, leading us off on this journey is Joshua Abrams in the Natural Information Society. The track we're going to listen to is called Magnetoception. Maybe that's Magnetoception. I don't know. The the X-Men fan in me from back in when I was a kid makes me want to call it Magnetoception. But anyway, um, you know, this track is from the group's 2018 album of the same name, and it came out on Aramite Records. And I'm going to issue a warning here. If you are a vinyl nerd, good fucking luck tracking down any Joshua Abrams LP at a decent price. It's just not going to happen. Not to say that uh, it's not worth shelling out for, for, their, for this guy's records. They absolutely are. But... Joshua Abrams is a Chicago-based uh, improv musician who plays the guimbri. 
I might be, um, again, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but it's a uh, three stringed North African uh, lute instrument, and it's very bassy. It's definitely a bass instrument. And uh, Abrams uses this instrument to really anchor the music. And his band, um, which he calls the Natural Information Society, or maybe they call themselves that. I mean, these guys are ridiculously talented. I mean, th that will be evident within like 15 seconds of the music. But uh, one very notable member is Hamid Drake, who is a jazz percussion legend. I mean, this guy played with Pharaoh uh, Sanders, Herbie Hancock, Don Cherry, Archie Shep, just like tons of other you know, jazz heroes. And the music that Joshua Abrams and the Natural Information Society make is is kind of what I call like patient groove. And at first, it might just sound like it's the same riff being played over and over and over. But any kind of deep and or stoned kind of listening is, is going to reveal an almost endless amount of like little variations and character to the individual playing. I mean, just like listen to... Uh, Drake's rhythms like all over this thing he's just really jumping from one style to the next while writing the shit out of the groove I mean it's it's really incredible um, to just really kind of focus focus in on his playing but the interweaving of the riffs and and everything it's, it's, it sounds very African to me it's very steady definitely very hypnotic and jazzy and and more than anything it just hurls you into like this locked in state that is absolutely ecstatic uh, so I love everything that this group puts out. I think it's a really big deal when, when one of the records comes out. And I, I really can't think of any other musical project right now that is carrying the banner for like worldwide ecstatic music. And, um, you know, in, in an interview with Pitchfork, um, Joshua Abrams said, uh, genre can be something that you don't fit yourself into as much as you use. Um, so I think that's, that's very uh, appropriate for this approach to music um, and composition and you know kind of like putting the weight and, and counterweights on various things so I think it really comes through with this music and this track was honestly Joshua Abrams and the Natural Information Society this was the first group I thought of when I was started considering like who in the modern age is really diving into ecstatic music so yeah this is this is the pick right here
All right, this next one is from a group called Begayer, and the name of the track is Le Image du Manque. It's French, so don't ask me what that means. Um, the album is from 2018. It's also very long and in French. Um, just look up the band uh, by name, B-E-G-A-Y-E-R, and uh, you'll find their band camp pretty, pretty quickly. Um, I actually did do a translation of of the album title, and it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense, and I'm not going to uh, place any trust in Google for this. So if any French-speaking listeners um, want to hit me up and clear it up, that would be cool. But, there, you know, there's not a whole lot of information about this group. Um, they're a three-piece. Um, they play different kind of three-stringed guitars and basses that seem kind of like stitched together themselves, um, and lots of percussion but I don't think they're playing with like a full drum kit here um, their band camp describes the group as French songs noises rumors of distant and early musics short and cruel poems handcrafted instruments radio amplifiers circuit bending and other wasted electronic devices behavior is a trio from the southeast of France so this band is is pretty nuts. I mean, it's it's dizzying to comprehend how they perform these songs or how they even write them. I mean, the percussion is just like this rapid start and stop, very primal, very nimble, very polyrhythmic, and the guitars are just very bizarre sounding. I mean, it's something like a cross between a no wave band from like New York or like a Tuareg, like desert blues. So this is definitely very experimental. And, and it's it's one of those ecstatic releases that seems like a total cathartic um, kind of release. And it really has no genre. It's just the three people jamming out to something, you know, primitive, but bringing, you know, avant-garde and kind of like noise rock kind of attitude to it. So this is music that grabs your focus um, and doesn't let go, and you're going to have a strong opinion about this group uh, one way or the other.
t'en faisant image du manque Next one, I bet you did not see this one coming, whether you're familiar with this or not. But we are going to go with uh, the band Liturgy, and the track is called Generation, and this is off of the album Aesthetica. So this is um, from 2011. So this record came out on Thrill Jockey Records, and this band has been pissing off like metal kids, especially like black metal kids, like ever since it came out. And while they're you know, a lot of the band's output doesn't really reflect what's happening in this track, I would say. Um, you know, they're definitely worth checking out uh, if just to see why this band is so triggering and threatening to some people. Um, I, I do think that they, they have a lot of really interesting um, stuff. But, you know, for this track, there's definitely a huge Glenn Branca influence going on here um, with those kind of syncopated, super repetitive riffs. And the rhythm section is just like 100% on it throughout this entire track. I love the drumming so much. Greg Fox is the drummer here, and, and, and that guy is an animal. And this is, whole track is basically a single riff that's being played over the course of you know seven minutes with variations being applied like steadily to the track as it, as it goes on. Um, and, and this track has been a really big jam for me since the first time I heard it. I always thought that this would be a really sweet track to play as like entrance music for a wrestler or like a baseball player or something, um, just because it's, it's very muscular and uh, it kind of like st will stimulate the headbanger in all of us um, without being like uh, overtly metal or anything like that. Um, but this track is totally infectious. It's very hypnotic and uh it's has the kind of like pummeling energy that I think is just undeniable. I mean, it might sound seem really simple to make music like this kind of single minded and minimalist, but trust me, like channeling all this energy into a performance like this is something that only artists who like understand focus and dynamics uh, can do. And, and definitely like a little bit of math helps too. So um, I think this track is in here to kind of make the case that some math rock um, can kind of be a form of ecstatic music as, as well, especially when it's kind of a little bit dumbed down and the emphasis is kind of on energy and like wallop. <laughs>
Okay, we are into this thing. I think the students are doing pretty okay for themselves. This next one is a real favorite. This is from a band called Horse Lords, and the track is called Against Gravity. And I'm going to read this off. Horse Lords make music for the liberation of mind and body. And that's the first sentence on their Bandcamp bio for this particular record. And, you know, you got to admire the ambition. Um, so Horse Lords sounds like, to me, it sounds like the parts on like Fela Kuti albums where the band is like hitting this sort of epic break and like transitioning from one part to the next. But imagine that is the entire song. So uh, this comes off Horse Lords' uh, latest album, The Common Task, which was, uh, you know, came out this year and is absolutely one of the best records I've heard this year for sure. If we're doing those yearly tallies, you know, it's very hard for us who listen to music and read, you know, about music on the Internet to get out of this kind of framing of music as a, a yearly uh, tabulation and and in sort of hyper competitive like albums overtaking other albums for your top five your top 25 or whatever it's very hard to get out of that line of thinking i think it's fun to do that stuff i'm into it personally but um i don't know i don't you don't let's not get carried away either right it's similar to the way we celebrate decades like you know every 10 years but it really is a little arbitrary so this is just an immediately satisfying barn burner of groove and it's taking influence from all over the fucking place. I mean, I know I say that a lot, but it, it's really, really true here. Um, it's it's really pronounced. And I, I hear all kinds of things here. I hear like that weirdo New York kind of like experimental rock. I hear like funk from Africa. I hear free jazz. I hear kind of North African like desert blues guitar riffs. I mean, it's like this band listened to the first episode of my ecstatic series I'm doing and like made a band out of all of that stuff. Um, so if you're not completely entranced by this track and how stupidly good the playing is, like, I just can't help you here. Like, I'm sorry. I tried the best I could, but you just don't have a groovy bone in your body. And, you know, that, I'm happy you tried, but I don't think I'm going to be able to throw any other weapons at you. So this band, Horse Lords, I mean, they're definitely obsessed with rhythm and groove, and it really almost doesn't matter what the melodic components to the track are because there's just such like a mastery of like interlocking these rhythms and making them catchy um, rhythmically. I mean, it just so happens that this band is actually, you know, fairly melodic as well. So it's, it's not very like atonal or when it is atonal, they're really like um, <laughs> trying to, to make that as much of a brain worm as possible but anyway i horse lords i'm really excited about this band um they seem like really young dudes too so good on them for like carrying this torch of ecstatic sort of trance music and good on them for worshiping the almighty groove <laughs>
okay, we are slowing things down. I hit you with lots of uh, <laughs> fast, groovy tracks uh, right off the bat. But um, this will be a nice little break. Track five here is from the group Master Musicians of Bukaki. And that is a hell of a bad name. So this track is called Prophecy of the White Camel, Namutare. And this track is off of a record called Totem 3 um, that came out in 2011. And it's part of uh, what they had as a Totem trilogy, which I learned recently is actually uh, in part a trilogy devoted to each member of the Sun City Girls. So if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll notice that this band They just keep coming up and creeping in. At this point, they're really inescapable. So they're kind of like this this spirit band of this podcast uh, (laughs) in a sense, which is kind of strange because while I really love like a handful of their records, I'm not one of these like Sun City Girls completists either. Um, But hey, you know, there's always uh, old age. And uh, I think that could definitely be (laughs) my future. So in an interview with uh, the website, The Quietus, and one of the band members referred to themselves as post-colonial core. And I don't know what that means, but uh, I think this this is a band that does a good job of not taking itself very seriously, um, while at the same time remaining fully serious about the music. Um, so Master Musicians of Bukaki are, you know, they're a psychedelic band. They're from Seattle. They're led by this dude, Randall Dunn, who is a really brilliant, like, record producer and musician who's worked with way too many awesome people to count. And, and this is another band that is looking eastward for influence. You know, they're getting those textures in by extension. And they're hitting on a lot of ecstatic moments uh, throughout their records, but especially the song. There's definitely an African desert blues thing going on here, along with some, you know, classical Indian music. Uh, And this is basically just a single mantra being played over and over with these very communal group vocals. And there's there's definitely something very popol vuh about what they're doing. Um, you know, maybe like this is what they might be doing if they were still kicking around when with some some better production So I do see some kind of maybe spiritual brotherhood together there and You definitely want to watch some live performances of this band because their live shows and costumes and the ensembles and just sort of like the ritualistic aspect of it is kind of insane um, it's just a really cool band, and I think it's a, one of the more accessible lead-ins to this type of music, uh, despite the band name and a lot of the imagery being, uh, you know, borderline silly uh, and and maybe a little a little uh, strange at first. But um, I love this track. This track is incredible. Um, all of their records are, are are truly great, and I think they're one of these groups that is very aware of the places in which they are mining these sounds um, and that their their homage is, is definitely coming from a, a place of studying.
All right, we're entering uh, peak weird territory with this next one. This is from Colin Stetson. This track is called Judges. Um, and Colin Stetson is a saxophonist who also plays on a lot of other people's albums, but has his own solo material. And this track is off of the album New History Warfare, Volume 1, from 2007. And before you listen to this song, you, you really should keep in mind that Colin is performing every sound you are hearing uh, in a single take with his saxophone. And you, you're going to hear this sort of bass ostinato kind of line and the phrasing he's doing in between that. You're going to hear like the percussion of the saxophone. So all these like thuds and clicks that he's kind of really emphasizing to make a ring out in the recording. Um, a lot of the times, you know, horn players will go easy on that stuff so it doesn't bleed through um, or maybe that stuff gets re gets removed and post um, but it's very much here it's very much part of the rhythm and then the the last thing is you hear these like human voices coming out of the saxophone I mean it's him like moaning and kind of like almost screaming at the same time while all of this is happening so it's just it's so much to be doing with your with your breath and your mouth and your your throat and your fingers so it's just really maddening that a single person can be producing all of that at once and creating such a bewitching sort of atmosphere but beyond all that this this track has just always struck me as something deeply ecstatic because it's it's very exalting it's just a total construction of human emotion through this like breath work and through this dexterity and just a total like mastery and manipulation of of woodwinds <laughs>
Okay, the next one is from $70 Bill. This song is called There's No Such Thing as a King Bee. And it comes off of $70 Bill's 2019 album, I Was Real. And this band is a two-piece that consists of Shay Shen. Um, he plays microtonal electric guitar. And then you've got the second band member, Rick Brown, who um, is the percussionist and definitely is into very odd meters. And uh, this is very joyous um, and ecstatic music that displays, like a, again, a total mastery of like improvised playing and two people locked into one another and just entering into another form of communication altogether and almost like a, a telepathy with one another. And this is definitely what I would call like trance music in that it's designed to pull you away from the things that are in front of you in this moment, um, as well as the things that are kind of weighing on your mind and and bring you into something primal and familiar and rhythmically enticing. I mean, I think I think this sound that these guys are doing, it's 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 definitely pulling from some some specific places, but it's a universal sound and it's a universal approach that can speak to anyone and hopefully make them drop their bullshit and just really tune out.
right, next up we have the group The Mirrors. So that's spelled M-Y-R-R-O-R-S. And the track is Hasta La Victoria. So The Mirrors were a band from Tucson, Arizona, who played, you know, very psychedelic desert music, but, you know, gradually shifted into a more minimalist kind of thing, incorporating a lot of Eastern sounds into their, you know, I think self-described borderland kind of jammy music. And this is another group that I think is sipping from uh, the Popol Vuh tea. I hear a lot of them in this song, especially, um, especially this the building up while a repetitive riff kind of drones on and all these different soundscape like atmospheric noises that really swirl in and out. And this is just a really this track takes a takes a while to build up, but it's deeply hypnotic. Um, it's very psychedelic music and it's reaching for deep spaces in the psyche and it's definitely avoiding a lot of the like 60s kind of like San Francisco uh, psych stuff. So um, it's not it's not really coming from that angle at all. It's looking more to like mystics and gurus for for guidance. And this definitely captures the spirit of like, you know, Germans and in, in the 70s and 60s kind of dipping their toes into like the eastern pools, but kind of kind of doing it all their own. I mean, this truly sounds like, uh, you know, some kind of amalgamation of like the Sonoran Desert and like devotional Indian music without being, um, you know, a guy sitting with a sitar or other instrument and just kind of like shredding on. I think it's this track also has some of that Alice Coltrane kind of like exploration to it too, um, kind of primitive and an astral kind of looking looking to space. Um, so th- this is you know this is music that doesn't really rely on genre tropes. It's it's all feeling, and it's all like intuition and and really the basics will do here. I mean trance, atmosphere, repetition, and groove.
Okay, we have reached our closer here. And this might be one that lulls you to sleep a little bit. Uh, this is Mind Over Mirrors. The track is called Motioning. And it is off of their 2015 album, The Voice Calling. And from Bandcamp, it says Mind Over Mirrors is the solitary reeling of Jamie Fennelly. So this is definitely an out-of-body uh, type experience. It's very celestial. Um, it's a bit indebted to New Age music, which uh, I think we made a good case for in the last episode to qualify as, you know, ecstatic music. And this album and song features the vocals of uh, someone named Haley Four, who is in a group called uh, Circuit de You. And this is a project you absolutely have to check out. I will definitely find an episode to feature uh, this project. Um, I can't recommend her output enough. But um, going beyond that, back into Mind Over Mirrors um, and getting into the instrumentation on this album and the song, um, I'm going to read a little more off of Bandcamp to kind of contextualize things. So we've got Indian pedal harmonium and the human voice to produce rolling meditative music that both simulates the swells and troughs of synthesized electronics and conjures the ceaseless rhythms of tidal surges. So, you know, this seems like a, a synthesis of kind of organic instruments being played, you know, that harmonium um, in a way and, and playing it in a way to produce, you know, what really sounds like electronic music, um, along with actually incorporating real electronic music like synthesizers. But that, that pedal harmonium is really what stands out along with um, Haley's like very incantation like singing. Um, so this definitely reminds me a bit of the uh the track uh black woman from sunny shirak and uh this track is definitely in in reverence to devotional music and kind of these like cosmic oscillations um you know it's like spiritual jazz via like some early synth driven kraut rock stuff like tangerine dream and this stuff is just totally transcendent and, and it's perfect for all kinds of uh ecstatic trips
Okay, that's gonna close out our two-part series on ecstatic music. And man, I think we need to get it. We need to get into like some something nice and dumb and satisfying for the next couple episodes. Um, so you know, send your recommendations to me. Send uh, your feedback or your criticisms. Um, any recommendations you got for future episodes. Um, if you fancy yourself. Uh, a nerd on a particular area maybe we can collab and do like a, an episode together where we nerd out on this shit i would much rather do collab episodes than just be out here talking and talking but um you know until that happens i'm happy to keep keep the content flowing um remember to get that track list at the sonic cloth on instagram if you want to see everything all written out if you didn't catch it when i was saying it And yeah, hit me again with that rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And stay safe out there. Keep listening to records, uh, listen to music in general, and uh, hone in on that deep listening if you can. You got the time for it. Trust me.